Computer, initialize Holosuite. episode of the fire caves a star trek deep space nine podcast i'm one of your hosts perry and i'm your host david tonight we're talking about season five episode 12 the begotten before we continue you can find us on facebook spotify apple <laughs> apple Podcasts, youtube and x as the fire caves a star trek deep space nine podcast that is correct, and as we say every single week, you should find us and follow us, because we are awesome. And as I said last week, I feel like we're one of the better um, Trek... Well, wow, we're both having word issues tonight. Better <laughs> Trek-focused podcast out there, is what I wanted to say, um, especially when it comes to Deep Space Nine. I've you know gone around and listened to a bunch of different ones just here recently. Everybody seems to be mm-hmm. talking about either like Next Generation or Voyager, and then of course like all of the new shows have a never-ending number of podcasts. And like every week, there's a new one for Strange New Worlds or Prodigy or whatever it is. But uh, Deep Space right. Nine, as is you know. I guess consistent with its history, not getting the attention that it deserves, the spotlight that it <laughs> deserves, and I feel like we do that here, uh, highlighting this great show. So, uh, yeah, if you're really interested in diving into a show that most people don't pay as much attention to, but there's so much to it, and it gives so much to the Trek franchise, then, uh, yeah, we should be at the top of your list. Um, now tonight, as David said, we are going to be talking about the episode, The Begotten. Um, I like to try to find a way to describe each and every episode that we come across, try not to repeat myself. And for this one, I'm going to say that it's, um, a touching episode, a memorable episode for the the family dynamics that we see that play out in this episode. And we're going to get into all of that, of course. Um, but before we do, as always, David, how has your week been? Week's been fine. Uh, work's been busier, what with the uh, new year, which has been nice. Um, finished Nemesis Games. Oh, man. You finished I it already? I t- it took me a week, bro. I... <laughs> Gosh, it just makes me, f- makes me feel so bad because I'm like, it's going to take no, me okay. every bit of a month, if not more, to read okay. these books. And then you're like, oh, you know yeah, what? started it Monday, done Wednesday. <laughs> I mean, I give myself 50 pages a day, so it actually took me longer than a week, because um, it was 500 pages, so it was actually 10 days, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I have more time at work, man. You know how it is. I know. There's so much downtime at our job, or the, we, we both did, did the job before, and uh, I mean, that's one of the reasons I enjoy the job, is because I can do that. Um so for those of you who don't know, a long time ago, David and I used to work for um, a mattress company. We're going to keep names out of things as much as possible. Right. Uh, we used to work for a mattress company, and there is a lot of downtime when you are a mattress salesperson. Uh, oftentimes, you would be in your store, your location, by yourself, and you may go the whole day without someone so much as darkening your doorstep, let alone opening it. <laughs> so yeah, when you're on the clock and you're there for 10, sometimes 12, or even, hey, if it's a sales day, um, 14 hours by yourself, mm-hmm. yeah, you could definitely 
burn through books and shows. Lord knows I spent many a time, many a day just eating up TV shows. You and, and I watched, there was... like, one of the seasons of The Walking Dead. Yeah. We watched some, I mean, you got me into Battlestar Galactica while we were We there. watched that and Persons of Interest and... Um, yeah. Uh, I think I watched uh, the Green Arrow there. Uh, just there was just a bunch of shows that like I remember going through, and then books too. Like I read, um, I read the Three Musketeers while I worked there. I, Ooh, I nice, read, nice. I read Catch Twenty Two while I worked there. Just yeah, there's just and then like I had um, um, at the time when I had an e-reader, there were a series of next generation novels that had like come out in the late nineties. And, um, I had all of them downloaded on it. And I mean, I just, that was all I did. I just sat there and I just read them like crazy. I think I, you know, I made it through maybe, you know, 13 or 14 books in the series. And there's a lot, like, that's the other thing about it. It's like, every time I go back and look, they're still, they're just coming out with more. So there's a lot of writers who've continued that, you know, area, you know, if you're, if you're interested, but yeah, um, lots of reading, lots of TV watching in the five years that I worked there. And now my job has completely changed and I yeah. can't anymore. So I'm not, I'm not yeah. a slow reader. I promise I'm not a slow reader. You're it's not, just... <laughs> you're not at all. Whenever you've gotten time, you've always been like, boom. But I've, I've noticed like there are times when you don't have, like you're, you're busy moving and you didn't have time to read. And then suddenly you had more time and you're like, oh yeah, I finished it. I was like, yes. oh wow, I thought you were taking, it was taking more time. And then you were, you were done. Uh, which which makes sense, um, but I mean, of course, the expanse books are so well written that uh, that's I'm sure... that's it. I mean, that's it's like they're well written. It's based in a in a world that I'm eager to learn more about. So yeah, it was exactly. really just like I I consumed the book, you know, and it was yes. it was great. And um, yeah, and it and also I had ordered the sixth one and got that right in time for Christmas. So I was eager nice. already. Uh-huh. So yeah, a lot of things were propelling me to to right. get that book done. Right. But yeah. Uh, this reminds me, because uh, you said you got a book delivered. When's your birthday again? It's isn't it February? Yes, it's in February. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Late February. Uh, you don't have you don't have the Memories Legion book, if I remember correctly. Is that the one that comes at the end of the series, and it's like the collection it's of the, tales? It's the compi- Yeah, it's the collection yes. of short stories, but those short stories take place throughout the series. Yeah. And I, uh, I do not have a that. Very important. There's a very important one. You do have it. You I do not. I have oh, books. Have I it. now own books one through six. I don't have right. seven, eight, nine, or that book that you're talking about. Okay. And you would do in paperback on all of them. Yes. I have hard copy. Um, but the reason I bring it up is simply because when we talk about the episode or the show and the book, there's a short story that uh, applies to this season. It's about Amos's upbringing, uh, mm-hmm. where, where his origin okay. in Baltimore. So, uh, um, Okay. I read it, so we'll, we'll have to get to that, and uh, maybe uh, you should keep an eye out. Well, okay. I don't know your new address is. I will update you. Yeah, yeah. Basically, I'm gonna send you as a birthday present. Yeah. I'm ruin it now. <laughs> spoilers, spoilers. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So anyway, uh, when you update me on your address and uh, happy birthday, I'll, I'll just tell you now. <laughs> okay. That's great. Uh, I'll I'll look forward to it and be very surprised when it gets here. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, my week has gone um, pretty well. Uh, like, I, you know, we we're finishing up everything for the move. Now we're just kind of in that, you know, walk through, clean, spot check 
all that stuff to be just completely done. Um, mm-hmm. Kid starts new school um, this coming week, so she's right. both excited and not because you know she's going to go back to school on the plus side, but on the opposite end of that, of course, it's you know bedtime schedules and all that stuff. And I've been calling her uh, less. I've been saying, "You're not my daughter. You're my cat." Because you sleep all day, you wake up just long enough to eat, and then you go back to sleep, you know. So, um, but I mean, there's really not much for her to do. It's cold right now, and I'm moving stuff, so it's just like whatever. Um, I also will be resuming um, my workouts this week, this coming week. Um, took some time off from that due to some injury, and then of course. Um, uh, moving and everything else so i haven't really been doing the consistent workouts for a little bit more than a month i'm now going to get back on the path there and really try to um like more this month is more about just kind of you know working through things making sure that i'm 100 percent, you know and then next month and beyond it's really going to be kind of kicking it into high gear so um i'll I keep saying I'm going to post like workouts and stuff. I'm I'm not a person who's big on like recording myself and like taking pictures of myself doing these things. Uh, thankfully, the gym that I'm at they have a strict policy against that. So like you 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 can take pictures, but they want you to do pictures like outside of the gym so you can get yourself like pre workout or post workout, but not during a workout. And it's not just for your own, you know, privacy and safety, but mainly for the other people who are in the gym who right. don't want to be in the background of your of your shot or, you know, yeah. uh, causing a any lot of videos yeah. lately and people been getting, yeah. making making mistakes in that in Yeah. That era and I'm too. and I'm absolutely all for it. I don't believe that anybody should be taking pictures or recording or whatever in the gym. Go to the gym, do your work and get out. Right. Like get out of the way so other people can get in and do their thing. It always bothers me when people are doing all that stuff. So I'm glad they have this policy. It's one of the first things I asked about before I signed up. So mm-hmm. um now I do plan on like some of the more like um I I won't call it riskier, but more of the uh, the strongman stuff that's along those lines of my training, a lot of that happens outdoors. So I will be able to, you know, do photos uh, during that stuff and, and, and right. whatever, but anything gym related will not be um, filmed. So, um, but yeah, still going to be a great time. I'm actually really excited to get back into it. Cause I actually feel like, you know, with the rest and everything I've taken, I do feel, you know, stronger. I've noticed, you know, I was moving stuff around and everything else. And I was just like, you know, I had it, you know, I could, I could do it, you know, yes, I got tired, but I mean, anybody would get tired, but it wasn't a struggle. It wasn't a big strain on me. Um, And as a person who's always lifted for years, I noticed, you know, a while back that I seem to have lost a lot of strength. And now I'm noticing that a lot of it I've gained back. So I, I like that a lot. Um, Good. Okay. Yeah. So there's progress has been made definitely on that. Gotcha. That's great. Um, anything else before we get started? Oh, uh, really quick. We still have our contest going on. This episode will be the last episode with the contest. So this will be your last chance to enter, to have yourself into the drawing for the Federation medallion. Okay. You can find it at Star Trek Spirits or, or Star Trek Wines. I noticed that the, both of those websites are interchangeable. Star Trek Spirits or Star Trek Wines.com. Whichever one you want to use, it goes directly to the same site. Um, it's a little medallion. It's 
all metal and it affixes to any uh, glass. So, you know, you have yourself a Yeti mug, whatever, you know, and you want to just slap that on there. It, uh, it'll it fit. And it comes with all the instructions on how to uh, adhere it to whatever glass you want to use. And again, this will be completely free to you. You don't have to uh, pay for anything, not even shipping. We will be sending it to you. You just have to listen and respond with the proper key phrase in a comment on our video on YouTube. Right. That's the only way you can enter, with a comment right. on the video on YouTube. Okay? Right. We will then take a look. We will put all the ones that follow the instructions into the hat. We'll draw one out. Uh, and there you go. That'll be the winner. We'll reach out to you and get your info and go from there. All right. So um, this, again, this is the last one. So if you still want to enter, do it on this one and you got to do it on the other ones. Okay. That's it. It's qu quite simple. <laughs> but. We are not here to talk about all of those things. We're talking about some of them, but not all of them. We are here to talk about this great Deep Space Nine Season 5 episode, uh, The Begotten. Um, this is a A and B. Uh, we have an A and B story this time. Um, did you want to give the recap, or do you want me to? Oh, I did it last week, and I definitely think you want to do this one, don't you? <laughs> I do. I do. Um, Go for it. <laughs> so, we... we we talk about favorite characters every so often, and obviously I've made a big deal about Cisco being a favorite character, but also Odo as well. Um, and this one features him prominently, and, you know, it gives a lot to Kira as well, who we started, I feel like, to make an argument about how she's also um, kind of a, I mean, she is obviously a main character, but she's got the same kind of development arc as Cisco, which is unusual to see like yes we have a protagonist who has a main development like Cisco does but to know there's another character right beside him who's also getting the same kind of treatment is kind of rare and amazing and uh and kira is definitely that and this episode really highlights that so um that's one of the reasons why i also like this episode because it kind of adds validity to that uh mindset Right. So this episode starts off with Odo coming into sick bay or the infirmary, as it's called on the station, and he's having back problems. Um, uh, Bashir takes a look and turns out he's got a pinched nerve, and he's talking about how you know his posture is great. He's never sat so no one sits as straight as he does, and it's just another reminder that Odo is now human or well humanoid, and he's got a skeletal system and a spinal system that he needs to take care of, and um, with the help of the doctor, he is able to ease his pains. As he's sitting there, Quark walks in, tells him he's got something for him. Of course, they kind of do their back and forth about, you know, whether he wants it or not. And then Quark presents him with this um, very elaborate bottle um, that contains a, uh, a sick changeling. And um, he's, Quark, of course, sells it to him. And um, they real he gets it scanned by Bashir, who realizes it's very sick. It's been hit with a massive dose of tetrion radiation, he says. And uh, the tetrion radiation is killing the changeling, but the there's a way to remove these isotopes from it and potentially save its life. They take it through the process. It seems like it's it's healed. He does mention that they're do seem to be some minor fluctuations, but he's hoping it'll stabilize over time. And now Odo um, sets to the task of raising the changeling. Um, right. Cisco is very much intrigued by the 
the prospect of there being a baby life form on on the station. He contacts Starfleet. They've all agreed. Odo gets to head up the project. Um, he's, Cisco does suggest that they contact Dr. Mora, the guy who, um, you know, studied, experimented, raised Odo, you know, and Odo's very hesitant to do so, wants to do this his way because he didn't like the things that um, Dr. Mora did to him when he was in right. Mora's lab. So, um, you know, Cisco's like, you know, do it. Do it how you want, but I'm just saying, you may want some help. So Odo starts off, he's talking to the thing, he's taking it around places, he brings it out into the promenade, into the replimad, and it meets Worf, and there's a funny little exchange there for a second. And then, you know, he's going on, he's showing the thing, you know, shapes and stuff like that. And it's, you know, whether or not there's any kind of reaction there, we don't know. We don't really see anything. Um, Dr. Mora does show up, turns out he was in the sector, he was on Bajor visiting his parents, which... How the hell old are Morris' parents? He's, he's, I mean, I don't know how old he is, but whatever. He looks late 50s. So yeah. I imagine it's possible he still has his parents, but yeah, they're definitely pushing it. it yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's possible, but yeah. We don't know how long Bajorans live, so whatever. Um, so yeah, he says he's visiting his parents and uh, heard about the baby changeling, came up to the station, wanted to check it out. He's watching Odo, he's the observer, he's not actually doing the experiments, and he's pretty much, you know, resigned himself to the fact that he thinks Odo is being um, too soft um, and wants him to, you know, actually challenge the thing. They argue about it a little bit, and then finally, you know, Odo kind of gives way to having to somewhat acknowledge that. Dr. Mora may have some insight here. So he starts using, you know, some of the tentative advice he gives him. The thing starts to react a little bit, but it's still kind of slow going. Um, him and Mora kind of fight about it again. And then Cisco does the infamous leadership thing that he does, which is appear from the shadows and is <laughs> menacingly, you know, calm in the background. Yes. And, yeah. and lets Odo know that he's on a, he's on a time, you know, he's on a tick and talk. Uh, ticking clock right now he's got to produce results because the federation is watching and they're eager and uh, this kind of makes him a little bit more sympathetic to dr mora they start doing a little bit more of the experimentation under mora's guidelines um and the thing finally has a reaction it forms a little you know column of itself and then it even forms odo's face before falling back down into what i can only assume is i don't know um it looked like some kind of pound cake, but whatever. Um, uh, they are very excited by this breakthrough. They decide to celebrate. Um, so much so that Odo even ends up going into Quark's bar, drinking some more because he's so happy. But in the midst of his celebration with Quark, he gets a notice from the computer that the thing is destabilizing. He rushes into the lab to find a waiting Dr. Mora who has discovered the same thing. They call him Bashir. Turns out that the uh, Tetrion radiation poisoned the thing really beyond any sense of rehab could handle, and ultimately it's going to die. Um, Odo's holding it in his hands, pleading with it to not die, when suddenly it absorbs into his skin, into his hands. And uh, he's kind of freaked out about it, as I'm sure anybody would be if a pile of goo just absorbed into your hands. And uh, suddenly he realizes that his abilities are back, his changing abilities are back. And he turns himself into a uh, uh, hawk of some kind and flies through the promenade and appears on the upper deck. And he's realizing he has had his 
full changeling abilities and physiology um, restored, which right. is a sticking point. We're going to put a little pin in that because we're going to come back because this is one of the Easter eggs that I was talking about several episodes ago that I didn't want to say because I didn't want to spoil this moment for you, David. Um, right. But then there's that. Now, to our B story. Our B story is Kira is finally happily about to deliver this baby. This baby that's been through everything it's been shot at it's been knocked to the floor it's uh, all these things that's happened to kira transplanted from its original mom into kira all these uh, traumas but now it's finally time to deliver the baby um, we find out that for bajoran physiology with women it's very important that they um, remain calm and relaxed in order to give the baby they have a whole ceremony around it designed to keep the mother very calm and relaxed so that she can build up these endorphins which cause a toxicity within the body which then cause a delivery so there's a rattle they shake there's a gong they gotta hit and there's a prayer that they say and incense that burns and a whole thing, because you know what? Bajorans love ceremony. That's what I'm learning. Bajorans have a ritual, a ceremony, a thing for everything. They you know? do. <laughs> and again, we'll get to that too. But um, O'Brien tells us that something must be wrong with this because they've been doing it now for several hours. Kira had told him it was going to take one hour, and it turns out the thing that's throwing her off is the fact that her boyfriend, our first minister, Idan Shikar, is not there. He shows up late and just kind of throws everything off, and the, I guess, matron, midwife, whatever, she says, you know, you're not going to deliver the baby today, and tells the Don, you know, be on time next time. Um, this leads to a little bit of infighting between Shakar and O'Brien. He wants him to, you know, do your part, show up, be on time, whatever. And Shakar seems to be a little bit disturbed, I guess, by the, by the comfortability of yes. O'Brien. Yes. The familiarity with, uh, between O'Brien, between Miles and, Kira. Kira. And, um, you know, there's a scene later on where she's getting, you know, Miles is rubbing her legs and stuff. They're all swollen and whatever. And Shakar comes in and he's like, you know, kind of a, you know, got a what are you doing look on his face. Doesn't say anything, just kind of keeps going. Invites Kira to some kind of performance or whatever to which O'Brien immediately objects. Um, (laughs) He tries to kick him out of the room, but during their little bit of back and forth, Kira announces it's now time. She can now deliver the baby. They call back in the midwife. They get everything set up. And the midwife is like, yes, you're correct. It is actually time. We're ready to do this. And they have, again, some other ceremony. Keiko says some little litany of words there about, you know, receiving the baby and whatever. And um, O'Brien comes around to get a view of his baby being born, to which Shakar um blocks him. Shikar doesn't want him to see his girlfriend's downstairs bits and uh <laughs> wants to, you know, wants to block him a bit, but O'Brien's like, that's my baby. I missed Molly's birth. I don't want to miss my son's birth. I want to be here. This causes more fighting to which Kira ultimately kicks them out. And uh now they're standing in the hallway, you know, kind of sniping at each other a little bit. Um, more towards the end, Kira does invite them back in. They're both able to witness the event. And baby Kira Yoshi O'Brien is born. And it's a successful birth. Everybody's, you know, healthy and whatever else. Um, and then uh, a 
Kira and Shakara end up ultimately saying their goodbyes. He invites her down to Bayjur, but she says she wants to stay. She wants to be a little closer to the baby and whatever else. And I swear, it almost feels like their relationship ended here. Like, I, I don't know. We didn't talk about that in the mid, a little bit, too. But it did feel like there was a weird disconnect between the two of them. Almost like they were saying goodbye without saying goodbye. She runs, yeah. Sure. She runs into Odo, who's also now has just said goodbye to Doctor Mora, who he's now kind of acknowledging again without really saying it as a bit of a father figure to him, and he's kind of doing that quintessential parenting thing of, um, you know, I want to be in your life. You could write, you could call, or whatever. Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. uh, classic <laughs> thing that parents say to their older children. Um, uh, and then again, Odo and Kira share a moment of this weird parental bonding you know it wasn't either of their kids per se but they both lost a child in a way and they're feeling very um emotional and it's a shared emotion because of the experience and we see them depart together take a walk together they're and it's it's like they're both being restored in some way. That's how I was viewing it anyway. That these two yeah. people went through these fundamental changes, which also kind of bring them back to their their selves and their friendship yes. as well. Which we have to also remember, their friendship also had taken a hit in a couple of episodes, and they'd been kind of standoffish with each other as well. So it's nice to see them end this episode together. Um, a bit. We're going to talk about all that too, but essentially that is it. That is the episode. Uh, do you mm-hmm. agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you hit it all for sure. Uh, all there's right. a lot to talk about in this episode, but that's there the is. basics. There really is, and that's what I uh, that's what I like. You know, we're going to get into all that. Yeah, but this, uh, one, this one's definitely got a lot. Yeah. So go ahead. Uh, what were your again? You're our first time viewer here. What did you think going into this episode? All right. Or, so I have two confessions. You ready for this? Okay. <laughs> all right. So. Well before we started recording this show, our little Fire Caves show here, um, my uh, roommate uh, would watch uh, Star Trek on the show Heroes and Icons. And I would come home from work and it'd be on, he'd be watching it, and I you know, was already in the middle of the episode, so I never, I, I maybe like pay a little bit of attention, didn't watch much. And for whatever reason, Deep Space Nine was the show that would sometimes be on. And this is the one episode I remember some scenes from before we ever started watching like before i even watched tng when you had me watch tng to prepare so um i kind of had a hint of what was going to be happening this episode or at the very least that like a changeling baby form was coming at some point and then the more important spoiler that i unfortunately experienced was back when we were recording the season four finale uh the uh moment where odo loses his powers Unfortunately, on the Wikipedia breakdown of that episode, it says that Odo loses his powers until about halfway through season five when he re- when he merges with the changeling baby and gets his powers back. And I was like, well, there we go. I'm ruined. Like, I didn't even know I was reading a spoiler until it was already gone. So this episode, I unfortunately knew the ending before it came. And so it was unfortunately a little bit lost on me in the sense that I was not... It didn't. It didn't come to me naturally. So I am sad to say that that is the case. <laughs> this episode did not come to me in its okay. full natural and its all new splendor. Yes, exactly. Okay. However, it's still a great episode. Still a lot to talk about. Um, starting with that, this episode has a lot to say about parenting, and it's. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. you're a parent. I'm sure you have you have some stuff you can say about that. I'm not, 
I am a parent, and I will I will say this is the first time because I did rewatch this episode in participation or in anticipation of us doing this tonight. It's the first time I've watched it since becoming a parent. I knew about this episode, but I had never gone back and watched it again. You know, like um, I, I've seen the show so many times, it's easy for me to just go to the ones that I like, and 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 anytime right. a name comes up, I'm like, oh yeah, that's the episode that's about whatever. But to hear the words and to see the story actually, you know, acted, performed, and put out there, uh, it's it's different. And watching it in yeah. this new context, uh, yeah, definitely a lot to say when we get there to some of that. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is a. Uh... I mean, the most important part of this episode is Odo's relationship with Dr. Mora, which we've, we've seen before. I think it was season two, right? Mm-hmm. Where he came to the station, and that was when Odo was having some sort of, like, he was turning he got, into some Yeah, he got sprayed thing. by that mist or whatever, and it turned him into, uh, like, a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde monster deal, you know? Yeah, and he, they had found a changeling type thingamabob. On it was a like a distant cousin of the changelings. It was a very simple life form, and they thought that it was causing all the monstrous attacks, but it wasn't. Right. It was, it was Odo. Odo trying to defend the thing. Yes. If I remember correctly. Yes. Because um, as we might remember, Odo, and especially in this episode, Odo is very. He is upset by the prodding and the and the kind of force. Like I don't know how much it was torturous, but like it was it was unpleasant for Doctor Mora to prod Odo into doing things. Doctor Mora didn't understand who Odo was, that he was a changeling, that it was even a living being, that it even had some sort of sentience, and so uh, Odo, as a young changeling, was being prodded by this scientist in order to do things. And Odo, the young changeling, did not appreciate that and has held a grudge against Dr. Mora ever since. He's felt like Dr. Mora treated him as a kind of a pet, uh, a bit of a, you know, a scientific as a, commodity. As a thing, yeah. He wasn't a yeah. He wasn't a sentient being to him. He wasn't a person. He was a, exactly. a science experiment. And he does right. view what Mora did to him as, um, well, yeah, torturous, experimental. Right. Um, yes. Yeah, and he he's never forgiven him for that, exactly. and we've seen him kind of carry that through from the other episodes, like you said, you know, when they found that distant cousin changeling, and Mora was there, and Mora had his hooks into it, um, Oda was immediately offended and did not want right. him to do those things to him, uh, do right. those things to that thing, to the new changeling as he had done to him, and it's right. the same thing playing out here, you know, when Mora shows up, he's very... You know, where, you know, even when uh, Cisco mentions Mora's name, he's just like, why? Like, I don't want to have anything to do with that guy, you know? Right. And now he's getting to see a lot of that in a new light. He's getting to see that, you know, he wasn't torturing him, but he was encouraging him. He was uh, instructing him so he could be better, so he could grow, so he could do more. And though Odo right. resented him a lot for that, it still led to Odo being able to do what he what he can do, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. 
So it is a lot like it's a lot like parenting. You know, you hear people tell these horror stories about their parents and what their parents used to make them do. And oh, my mom used to dress me up funny, or my dad would make me go out for this sport even though I didn't want to, and you know things like that. You know, and the kids make it sound so awful. And then you look back on it, and it's like, yeah, but I mean, was it really? Was it really that bad? <laughs> playing right. playing basketball, playing tennis, you know, wearing right. the matching shirt as your little brother was that really you know that bad you know that's kind of how these things feel but obviously we have a bit of an alien bent to him you know like he's talking about how mora used to electroshock him but then he's doing the same experiment to the new changing the baby changing in this episode and he's like it's six millivolts man it's not gonna hurt him it's just enough to (laughs) you know get him to move you know right kind of the equivalent of a a stick poke you know it might be annoying but it's not gonna hurt you it's not gonna kill you well i wouldn't even think stick poke as much as like a a a nudge like right like you're standing behind him yeah go go on move move yeah Exactly. It, no way it hurts, but yes, it forces movement. But again, nothing at any point in, indicates that he's in real pain. Uh, he wants they want the changeling to be in the center circle where there's no stimulation. You know, this is you can go there if you don't want stimulation. And it's it's fascinating because when you think of like you know humanoid children, human children, you know kids like moving and action, and they're active. They don't need prodding to move per se. In some ways, it's more like you got to use some sort of sometimes you gotta you gotta punish kids in a corporal sense to keep them from doing certain things you know yeah. depending on who people agree with that or not but point being as as dr moore says in the episode spare the rod spoil the child uh this is kind of an inverse situation because apparently changelings when they are babies they just love being flat little globs of yeah goo you know it's really relaxing well it's like they don't um, know but, like as, as odo says you know they don't know that they can actually change forms and shape shifts right. he even says you know he had no idea what he was what he could do and then you know once mora prodded him enough to get him to take the shape of the cube he was just as happy to be a cube as he had been to be a blob he found it right. fascinating all the right angles and so forth yeah. so it's just like they don't know until they're shown just like children they're not they, you know like our own children my own child i can tell you many 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 stories of you know being like you have to try it you just you have to and you know right. as much as they there's a fear there of the change of going right. from the comfortability of what you know and putting yourself into a new shape a new position and and fighting against it and then it happens you're like okay that wasn't that wasn't so bad at yeah. all you know that's yeah what we're i would imagine here. the the best comparison is like eating your veggies like it's not pleasant but it's good for you kind of thing lord that is the continuing fight in my house right now i'm not kidding <laughs> the number of I'm times it's i've though. seriously i'm just like just eat it just put right. it in your mouth and eat it mix it up right. and eat it all the things that i've said to yes so i 100 percent agree with you the eating vegetables fight is as old right. as humanity i'm sure exactly exactly um and so I, I find it a kind of a fun analogy of like this this is alien. This is this is not how human babies grow up, obviously. Uh, so this is a different experience. But you really Doctor Mora is a jerk in this episode, but he's also right in this episode. Yeah. He and Odo get into a fight. He's kind of a jerk about it. Uh, I'm trying to remember all the lines he said, but he's basically like. You know, you wouldn't be what you are today if it wasn't for me. And Odo says, yes, well, says. you wouldn't have been, you wouldn't have been a, a famous doc, scientist if it wasn't for me. You'd be a nobody. You wouldn't be able to run a science fair. Uh, 
great back and forth. And I, I do say, I, I, I will back Odo that, you know, Mora's a little bit um, of a jerk about it up, up at front. He does have a point, and then the end yeah. of the episode is very sweet, but they do have some rocky territory that they yeah. cover on the way to that. Yeah, Mora played uh, expertly by James Sloan, who is, again, a uh, great character actor. He's been in Trek multiple times. We've talked about him already when he first appeared as Mora. You know, he is, he's been in Next Generation a couple of times. He is here in, in Deep Space Nine. He's on Voyager. Um, I'm not sure if that actor is still alive, but if he is, I wouldn't be surprised if he pops back up somewhere on some other Trek. He's got a great voice. He's a great actor. Yeah. Um, He's eighty three. Okay, well, James Sloyan. So it may he may pop back up. Um, he, he might not. I don't know. But you know, I'm just saying, uh, it'd be nice to see him again in some capacity because he always gives a great performance. Um, yeah, we've uh, he was a, a Romulan sub commander who was going to betray the Romulan Empire in one episode of Next Generation. He played an alternate timeline future Alexander in another Next Generation episode come back to save Worf. He is Dr. Maura Pohl here in uh, Deep Space Nine. He is Jutrell in uh, Star Trek Voyager episode by the same name, I believe. And um, I think that's it. I don't think he's popped up anything else. He wasn't in Enterprise and of course, he hasn't been in Discovery or Strange New Worlds um, as yeah. of yet. So that could all change. The season, the fifth and final season of Discovery is getting ready to drop. They may have him there as a alien or something. And then, of course, we've got you know Strange New Worlds is in production. So who knows? They might you know dust the mothballs off that guy and bring him back. <laughs> um, he's he's a great actor, but like he's he's also a dead giveaway. His voice is so distinctive that no matter what makeup he wears, he's just. Yeah, you know it's him. You know it's him. So I, I just want to say while we're talking about that, that you're right. When when actors um, are in their makeup and they, you can tell who they are, but underneath the makeup. But there are some times when that makeup, especially the Klingon makeup, like they can transform an actor. They can yeah. really do a, a really oh, yeah. great job making that guy look so different. There was a clip. Uh, I think I sent it to you of um of the guy who plays Gold Ducat, whose name I can't remember at the moment. Uh, Mark Alamo. Okay, and then they, there was an episode where I don't know why exactly Data was playing cards with guys dressed. Oh, up that's when he went back in time. Yeah, I think that's the one. But you know, th- there's there's the guy who plays Gold Ducat as one of the card sharks. He's the New Orleans guy, him. right? With the he's got the mustache oh, and the wavy yeah. hair, and he's got he the cigar amazing. and the yes, oh, yeah. He, he looked like he, a riverboat captain. Exact, <laughs> yeah, he's probably the exact same kind of character. Like if you had put Gold Ducat and dressed him up like that, he'd be if the you same had, type of person. Yeah, but, if you had given the character still, a little bit more range, you could definitely feel the sliminess <laughs> of the guy. Absolutely, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was great. Um, but it, you know, one of those moments where, like, you see you see somebody you're like oh, I know who that is. <laughs> it's great. Um, but yeah, it was it was fun seeing Doctor Mora back because, of course, one of the best things about stories. Um, this is a serialized story, or uh, sorry, an episodic story. So a lot of episodes are kind of self-contained, mm-hmm. and so it's a lot of fun to see episodes that tie into previous episodes, characters that we've seen before come back. And even over seasons, I mean, it's been three seasons since Dr. Moore has been come back as a character. But as soon as we have a Changeling-centric episode, boom, we got the actor back. 
um, uh, James Sloyan, and it's it, it's great to to see that storyline yeah. continue because it really does feel like it's a continuation of that it does. two episode, and it helps where, with Odo's yeah. development. It really helps exactly. with Odo's development. I mean, that's one yes. of the great things about episodic shows. Um, serialized shows i should say not episodic but serialized shows like this because it does allow you to have that kind of growth of a character because you can make direct references to things that we also acknowledge as their past not things that they just tell us happened in the past you know we have to suffer through a half flashback half present day reconciliation episode we got to see that past already we are a part of that as well and that's another reason why i like it when they do shows like this and why some of the other shows kind of suffer because they lose out on that um to a certain degree you know for as great as next generation was uh their best episodes hands down tend to be the ones that are two-parters because we were involved in that story development not the ones where it's somebody comes on and they just claim it's a hero from the main character's past or whatever oh we used to serve together 15 years ago on the whatever sounds great Uh but i have no connection to that character whatsoever i I feel nothing emotionally for them so when it's revealed that they're the jerk or the the problem of the episode it does nothing for me and that's why they always depend so hard on your connection to our main character on your connection to data to geordie to picard whomever whereas with an episode like this with Dr. Mora, we know a bit about him already. Yes, it is tied to Odo's past. We also have seen him as a scientist. We understand his methodology a little bit. So when he shows up here and he's so eager to get back to work, and that's even what he says. He's like, he's even brought his equipment with him already. He was already mm-hmm. anticipating taking over this thing. Yet again, it helps us to kind of, you know, have our own hackles raised a little bit and dealing with this character because we're like, you know, we see a little bit of why Odo is so hesitant to give you the reins because you're so right. interested in this this particular avenue. You're once right. again not seeing the, the person. You're seeing the experiment. Right. And we see them right. both grow here. Both Odo and Mora yeah. grow in this episode. Yeah, Mora's problem is, like, for example, he wants to measure the volume of the changeling. And it's like, well, that's fine if you just let Odo know first, because Odo's kind of taking first, you know, first person. He's the guy you're taking point, if you will. Uh, now, of course, you know, Mora has a perfectly re- legitimate thing to say. Like, I know what it's like. I know what progress looks like. He's only grown 17%, and whereas you had grown double by this point. Um so it yeah it's it, again Dr. Mora was a bit of a jerk sometimes but Odo is is growing and they both grow and I, I love that I love when characters have emotional growth and they're and growing they and they're growing together right yes. it's they're the they're hearing each other's side of the same story, the same experience. Odo was talking about it from this viewpoint of a traumatized past, whereas Mora is like, it wasn't that, but there were other things going on that you were unaware of. Like, for example, I was under enormous pressure by the Cardassians to produce results with you, you know? Um, And let's not forget, this was all going on while the occupation of Bajor was at its peak. So the fact that Mora was able to be a scientist at all during this time has got to be an extraordinary, extraordinary thing. So here's this person who is suddenly put in charge of this project and he's got these, his his alien oppressors breathing down his neck and he doesn't know if, if he doesn't 
produce results? Are they just going to take the project away from him? Are they going right. to beat him? Are they going to kill right. him? I mean, there's any number of things that could happen to him while Odo is right. whinging about some six millivolt shock that he got one time. This guy is probably fearing for his life and trying to produce results here. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, it ties together so nicely at the end because not only do we have the two of them hug, which is a great moment, but then Kira coming back and being like, yeah, I've, I've kind of lost something. I, you know, I, I'm not going to be able to hold the, this child I bore the same. Uh, I, won't, I, won't, I can't embrace him because it's, he's, you know, the, the O'Brien's child. And, uh, you know, Odo's able to say, I, I think I have an idea what you feel like. And so they're able to bond again. And as you mentioned, I had, I'd forgotten, but I, yeah, it was just a couple episodes where Kira was like, Hey Odo, like, Turns out you weren't quite the yeah. outstanding honorable constable we all thought you were. Do I need to like <laughs> take you to task? I thought it was again that moment was a bit much, but um, that, but they've, that but was they've only kept their ago, so. yeah, and they've been they've been distant from each other ever since. And now here we see them at the end of the episode, and they're ending it together, and they're connecting, right. bonding with each other over this shared um, sense of loss. Um, right. Not that their losses are equal, but just that it's a shared sense of loss. So, um, so before we dive into Kira's story, I do want to talk about Odo a bit here in the, you know, getting his powers back. Um, Mm, so this was the Easter egg that I was trying to avoid talking to you about because we've seen some things over a few episodes that to me would indicate that Odo was never fully solid, he was never fully a humanoid. Uh, the first right. indicator that we get of this is when, um, in the episode, things passed, in which he's able to form a link with uh, uh, Bashir. No, I'm sorry, with Dax right. and Garrick, and uh, so all and Cisco. Dax, Garrick, and Cisco. Where we yes. About Odo's past. Oh, yes, yeah. Uh-huh. and that's the yeah the other one that Kira was in briefly so we yes. know that somehow his like even then the morphogenic matrix as as it's called is stimulated in that episode and odo's mind reaches out and he forms this link with them you know and that's why he's able to um why they're all able to share that experience um right. we see here in this episode you know this this um the changeling when it's presented to him he instantly recognizes that it's a baby changeling and he knows that it's aware of him and he knows that um yeah knows that it's sick he's able to do all of this with a glance so to me this would seem to mean that there is something innate about being a changeling that can't be well uh, changed for lack of a better word um and as far as we know no changings have ever made another one become permanently uh, uh, another race, okay? Another right. another type of being. So it's entirely possible that what they did was they just, and I mean, how would they know exactly what the internals down to the molecular nervous structure would really need to be? So it's possible they just kind of locked him into a very basic rudimentary humanoid form which seems to kind of be like a default human because as we see here in the in the episode um Bashir is able to treat him kind of like he would treat a human we know he had constipation at one point and that prune juice worked for that we know that he's got this pinched nerve which seems to be a common thing for people who have Odo's you know posture issue in humans um but then yeah it just seems like 
there were enough clues sprinkled throughout this season which make it seem like he is not as solid as we think he is. Sure. Okay. And um, that would also explain why this baby changeling was able to still be absorbed by him and to fully restore his uh, abilities. You know, not partially or anything like that. He seems to be, once again, all Odo. Right. Um. So, yeah, I mean... This also kind of cuts into some other things that we see in other Trek shows about the the permanence of taking any particular shape with changelings. Right. So when you watch Star Trek Picard, for example, there's some stuff to talk about they deal with there um, in regards to changings and them being forced to be one thing or another. But yeah, I really don't think that uh, he was ever truly a solid. I think this was just like uh, always going to be a temporary thing. Well, I guess I'm curious what you think about that, because in my mind, he, he's a solid, but, like, I mean, he's still a changeling. Like, it's it, he's both and on some level, because, like, he's not not a changeling. He's just lost the ability to shapeshift. Like, yeah. I guess I guess, the, I guess the question comes down to, do you think when changelings are imitating something that it's only on the outside that the thing looks like the thing, but on the inside it's, like... When, the, well, when he turns into a bird, does he have feathers down to, like, the bone structure? Like, they got the hollow bones kind of thing? Or is it just on the surface level that they look like the thing? That so, that's, be... so that's one of those parts of the the the, myth, the the mystery and mythos, I guess, of the changelings that we don't ever right. really get a full explanation for. They say, you know, when they become a rock, if you scan it, it's a rock. You read yes. right down to the molecular structure, you read a rock. But we also know that that's not entirely true, that it's a it's a cursory scan, but if you do any kind of deep probing scans or whatever on it, it does give way that this is not a, a true There's structure. Natural. There's something about yeah. it that's different. Um, and that pops up a couple of times in Trek and then, you know, in, in um, Star Trek Picard, they really kind of nail home that point that by fine-tuning the sensors and scanners and so forth, they can see right. through the changeling mask. So, right. um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure on that. I just think that at the time, it's supposed to be that this is more like just a, kind of like a prison sentence. And then once right. he's done enough to be, I guess, redeemed somehow, it's kind of... Right unlock so now whether that's yeah, I feel like the, a mental block has been put on him yeah like like they, they've shut off his act because if we if there's anything that there seems to be a, a a consistent theme of with the changelings in my opinion is that they have um telepathic abilities of some kind psionic abilities of some kind there seems to be because the great link is more than just them mixing their gelatinous bodies together there seems to be more to that and the fact that odo is aware of changes like when we've seen him be aware of changelings before like when um they were back on earth in paradise lost and that changing was imitating admiral layton odo knew that was a changeling without anything else he confronted him he didn't it wasn't right. until after they you know shook hands and confirmed it but he knew right. that it wasn't Leighton just by looking at him so there seems right. to be some kind of other thing there that lets them know about each other so maybe that's what they did to him was they well, changed his body it, and then locked him 
Well, is it a, is some sort of psychic connection, or is it just like because they are both changelings, they know what to kind of look for in in each other? Like they recognize the telltale signs of the falsity of the, or or the recognize the, the signs of what they actually are, as opposed to the falsity of what they're yeah. not. Well, it's not something that we're actually, I mean, it's a good thing to speculate about. It's not something that we're ever actually given any answers to. Uh, yeah, someone pointed out in the chat here, it's uh, he could sense his hostility. Yes, in the Paradise Lost episode, that's what Odo says, that he could sense right. Leighton's hostility towards him. But is that really all he was sensing, or was there more to it than that? Because, yeah. Was it a facial, yeah, facial feature that he saw, or was he actually sensing it in their mind? Like, I how did he know? Way, right. I'm not going to deny that it's possible. Yeah. I would just say that. We've never had any sort of explicit confirmation None. that that's what's happening per se. None. Um, but this but is yeah, one of those things also... too. This is also one of those things too that I I don't want answers to. I don't want anybody to go back yeah, and then that's... waste time explaining waste precisely the yeah. the psionic abilities of the changes. I don't I don't <laughs> care. I want to speculate. Right. Speculate only. Don't don't answer that yeah. question, please. That's a waste yeah. of time. There are plenty of examples of how that has backfired in yeah storytelling. So when you you know it. there's <laughs> yes we, we love your world we've talked about that here we love your world building but the more that you go through the steps to break down your levels of world building you reach a point where your explanation yeah. is meaningless and long. then you've ruined everything that you've that came before that so yeah don't do it i didn't don't do need it. to know that darth vader didn't like sand because it's itchy and irritating yeah didn't need to know that Thanks. he went from he <laughs> went from being a badass to a crying baby with a crying baby with a mouth breather issue you know like yeah, yeah not yeah. not impressive yeah. at all he's supposed to be this ultimate bad guy and it turns out he just cries about padme all the time <laughs> shut up no <laughs> <laughs> Which again is why the expanse is so great because they don't have that problem. No, Even when you get some backfilled storylines, it's not to it's not to do that. It's to make the characters more complex and interesting. So anyway, but we don't have to talk about that just yet. No, um, we got to talk about Kira and Adon and uh, and uh, Miles. Um, yes. So the birth, the birth is finally here. She's been pregnant for like six years, it seems like. But she's finally given birth to this baby. Kira Yoshi O'Brien. Great name. Kira Yoshi O'Brien. A boy's name. I feel like Kira is not going to be the name they use when they talk about this child in the future. I think Yoshi will probably be the more I think he'll be baby Yoshi. Um, Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, this is a full name. Kira Yoshi O'Brien. I just so. I just find that interesting because I mean Yoshi was a character in this uh, Mario I imagine by this point so I like and I'm not well, saying Yoshi isn't a Japanese name I don't maybe wrong I'm just curious they chose that one when Yoshi is when I in my own head I associate it with the character from Mario so I'm thinking well I think it has less to do I think it has less to do with the Yoshi part and more the Kira part they were trying to find a name that could work with both and i believe oh, that sure. there yeah, is yeah. a there is a japanese equivalent of kiryoshi somewhere that we could probably look up and find and this was their kind of winking and nod to that name as well it's not the full wow. japanese name it has this alien specialty specialness of, of having right. kira's name in there as well right okay. so um but it's yeah like kira's her last name or in the sense like not her it's her family name kira is the uh, they do it yeah, backwards yeah they, they do theirs backwards kira is her surname uh Nerice is actually her first name so right 
or a personal name, however you want to call yeah. it. Which is funny because you've been calling Edon, you know, uh, Shakur. His name is Edon Shakar. That's it, Shakar. Or is it Shakar Edon? I was Shakar. No, that's right. It's Shakar Edon. That's his name. Right. Shakar Edon. Shakar, and you've been calling him Edon, and I know that's his name because I have like the pull up here of his, you know, the the story of the episode. And she called him Edon during the episode. Yeah. Um, but it's funny because anytime, like, Nerese or Edon, it's always like, wait, what? Right. <laughs> you're like, oh, that's, yeah. that's actually their personal name. That's, that's, that's their equivalent of, a, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like to use the names because they aren't used that often. And um, I think it's cool that that's how they do it, you know? Um, mm-hmm interesting way of you know like when you think about it like our equivalent would be like everybody walked around call me by my last name all the time so it'd just be like oh okay oh, be... my last name i had my last name used for me all the time as a kid yeah, oh playing as a strange name and it, it was unique womp was the most popular version especially in college yeah, yeah i won't say my yeah. nickname from high school and middle school because that one was just terrible um, yeah, playing anyway. sports, man. Yeah, playing <laughs> sports. My last name was always, I mean, just it was shouted, and I went by Freeze forever, you know. And just you just hear yeah. it everywhere, and and which yeah. is fine. I got used to it, you know. And I mean, I think I, I know I still answer to it, like when, you know, I'm talking with my uh, friends from you know back in college and whatever else. We've known each other for years, and we'll talk on the phone, and we will call each other by our last names, to the point where for some of them, I have to like think for a second. Uh oh yeah okay his name's Josh like just in this that's internal to me I don't sit there and go what was your name again no like I just it's like it takes a second because it's been so long since we've introduced ourselves or used our first names or whatever you know so yeah um now yeah I had that problem with with acquaintances I'm like oh I know I know you but yeah. names are terrible about it but so, anyway so well since we're talking about names really quick and you know you you were saying it's their they have their personal name, their familiar name that is used typically with people in the family unit or people that are very close to them. Uh, we, I guess our equivalent to that would be like a nickname. Um, I know that you said that you had a nickname, at least in school, but did you have one? <laughs> did you have one with your parents and with your siblings? Was there a particular no. name used just within your family group? No, no, no. I was always David. My brother's Michael, Sarah, my sister. Um, mom and dad it's funny my, my sister as the youngest she's also the typical youngest child where she gets away with extra stuff she calls my parents by their first names oh. as a as an intentional quirky you know hey susan you know like yeah hey steve you know oh <laughs> Shut wow up, kid. <laughs> what a no-no no. uh, she gets away with a lot she she's quite the quirky little son of a gun oh. um and, uh, yeah, no, I was always David. In fact, I still go by Dave most of the time when, it, when I answer, like, the phone and, like, are, you, are you Dave? I'm like, ah, Dave, David, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. But I usually introduce myself as the full David. Um, I know a guy who is Christopher. He doesn't like being mm. called Chris. He wants Christopher. Oh. And I know a Jonathan. He doesn't like being called John. He's Jonathan. Um, which I find interesting in those cases because those are much longer names than David or Dave, but. Hey, you know what? I I respond to that. You know, that's Christopher. That's Jonathan. So, well, I do have a I guess personal name or nickname that is used just within uh, my family. No, I'm not going to tell you what it is. But it's I always like to tell the stories of um, um, when I would have friends that would come over. 
you know, and we'd be hanging out or whatever. And my sisters would come home or, you know, my mom or somebody, and they would call for me and they would use this nickname and to watch the look on my friend's face when they heard it and realized that was me. And they were just like, who, who is this? Who is this person? Like, who are they talking to? Why are you answering to such a name? Like, I don't understand. And then having to explain that it was my name and where it came from and why I have it, and all, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, just, and I mean, and the weirdest thing is it continues to this day. Like, I thought that it would just be like, it, we would get over it, you know, but no, like to this day. And then like, um, it's now moved on to the next generation. So now I have my, uh, my nieces and nephews who are now, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old, whatever. And they also call me by this nickname. Cause that's how they've always, you know, heard me called in family settings, but then they'll go somewhere with me. Like I took my, um, my nephew to the gym with me and, you know, people, you know, they obviously knew my name and they would say, you know, Hey Perry, you know, Hey, you know, what's going on? Hi. And ask me questions or whatever else. And just to see the look on his face from the other side. And he's like, Mm-hmm. Why? Why are they calling you Perry? Like, what is that? I'm like, that's my name, <laughs> and he's bro. just staring at me because for that's... 14 years of his life, he's only ever heard me as this other thing. So, yeah. Uh, again, the name I had in high school it came to me from middle school, and there was a guy in high school who didn't remember what my real actual name was, and he still <laughs> was calling me by that nickname. And it was one of those terrible nicknames. Like I should never. I beat myself up in the sense like I should never have answered to it in the first place because that's what legitimized it. If I had always ignored it, I would never have legitimized it. But I did. I did, and then it stuck. But it is what it is. But anyway, going back to the episode, we have the O'Briens and the the battling the, the battling pseudo lovers oh, no, and pseudo we can lovers. We talk about that. I gotta. We gotta talk about this gong and this. Oh yes, the ritual. Yes, oh let's my talk gosh, about. That is not at all calming. What the bleep? Like that's not now, calming at all. Now, to their to their credit, I will say that <laughs> O'Brien was hitting that gong wrong. It sounded like is this old piece of. Uh, at first, sounded like he yeah, was he smacking right a, a dented tin, you know. But then, when yeah. the next go round of doing it, it actually sounds like a gong when he's hitting his he piece. Hit it. The very last better. time he hits it, and right before the birth happens, it's he correct. Does hit it differently, and it's it like, sounds a bit better. But yeah, yeah, before it was like he was just banging on the tin trash lid, and he's just yeah. dink, dink, dink. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, come on, man, yeah. get I mean, it right. The whole point of it is that it's awkward, and they're having you know the O'Briens are having to participate in this thing that they don't fully you know grasp. It's not it's not part of their culture, <laughs> but it does. It is hilarious. You're just like. What is this that we're doing? Because this does not in any way seem helpful. Right. It's just, Ow. so I, I so I was I was thinking about it, and I and I feel like if if done properly, perhaps it's the repetition. You know, Keiko's got the Morocco looking thing that she's shuffling, and then you know they do that for a number of beats, and then he hits the gong, and then uh, you know so forth and so on. And so I think that if they do it in the right in the right rhythm with the right consistency and everything else. I think it's supposed to help kind of like a mantra to help Kira relax, but um, it's not, it's not done well. And uh, then they got the incense burning, which apparently causes O'Brien to sneeze, you know, and yeah, they're just calming breaths and all that kind of stuff. Well, I guess probably what I'm getting at is when you were recapping the episode, you were saying that the thing that was throwing Kira off is that, 
Edon hadn't shown up yet. For me, it was like, nope, that was the problem. <laughs> it was that blasted shake, shake, gong, shake, shake, gong. <laughs> well, I mean, I would imagine, too, that if he had been there, then she wouldn't have been worried about whether or not he was going to show up or if something had happened right. to him in transit. And, you know, the constant right. worry of where is this loved one? while she's supposed to be trying to relax is another part of that too. So yeah, I just, um, there's a lot of that there that I I was trying to give them the benefit of the doubt with, but yeah, it was, um, I don't see, yeah, how any of that was calming. Maybe they're missing something. Maybe there's some more instruments that are supposed to be played. They just couldn't get them to the station on time. Yeah. You know, I'm just seeing a full, Full on, uh, you know, you go to like a Mexican restaurant. They got the guys with the guitars and the trumpets. The mariachi band. That's it, mariachi <laughs> band. This, yeah, that's what should have been there. That was missing. <laughs> oh man! Yeah. And then yeah, the whole O'Brien, uh, uh, Edon. Like, I don't want you to see my lady's private parts. Yeah, she's like, my. Yeah, I get she's that, my girlfriend, but... but she's having my baby, bro. And meanwhile, yeah. we've been living together for five months. You think this is the first time that I've seen it? I mean, that's kind of the implication <laughs> there yeah. that O'Brien yeah. gives. He's like, she, because he says uh, he was like, yeah, why don't you stay over there? Uh, uh, he's like, yeah, she's been living in my house for five months, and he right. and we know that he's helped her out of the tub. He's been massaging her. They've, you know, all the the various intimacies. It's kind of implied that uh, there's no secrets between these two. So him being so standoffish in the end game is like mm, yeah. too little, too late. You know? Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. At the very least, yeah. I don't. Yeah. I, I just, I just the it makes sense for him to be protective of her because like yeah that's 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 true i'm protecting her modesty but it, like this is the moment like they've all been waiting for and it <laughs> it was a funny little scene um i i'm glad that edon or shakar was back but man i, I wish he could come back more often because i do like his character as i mentioned uh recently when um when they were doing the all of the previous members of her uh, cell were being mm-hmm. killed and his character was noticeably absent from that or when uh the uh, federation treatise almost was signed and he wasn't there for that yeah um but uh, i'm glad he was here i do hope he comes back uh i mean i don't know if i should ask to be spoiled but i mean you were saying it seemed like it was kind of a breakup at the end is is that the end or is that just it felt kind of awkward that's just all it was um now i i We'll stand to be corrected if I'm wrong on this one. But I don't think that we see him again. Um, I think that they make references to him. And, uh, yeah, but I, I don't think that we ever see him again. I think that, you know, there are a few times where Kira references either going to see him or, or coming back from having just seen him. Things along right. that, those lines. But I don't think that we actually ever see Shakar um, again. Um, now I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm almost positive. We don't see him again. And, uh, some other developments happen later on, um, that for Kira and we'll see, you know, how that all kind of plays out. But yeah. And I mean, I think that's another reason why maybe this does feel like a bit of a breakup to me because it just doesn't seem like they're very close anymore. Now I could be wrong and something else could be triggering the breakup, but I feel like this is it. This was the moment that Kira decided that she wanted her life, uh, to be different now she's made right. a i made a choice and i don't think that shakar is part of that so yeah i, I think okay. that, i think this is the last time we see him 
Okay, so I went ahead and just looked it up while you were talking, just to spoil it for myself. This uh, in the listing for the actor Duncan Rager, who plays uh, Shakar, it says that he appears three in three episodes on Deep Space Nine, and this is obviously the third time we've seen him. So yes, it sounds like you okay. are right. Whatever else happens with his character, it is not going to include uh, Duncan as the actor portraying anything on screen. Okay. So that's a bummer. Uh, I'm not entirely surprised. They weren't making a lot of use of him up to this point. He's busy being the first minister and she's on the station and well and yeah and like just, kind of a moment and, and it kind of seems like this was always going to be their end you know like the the long distance relationship thing just doesn't seem to bear out for them um he's yeah he's a very important sense. figure on bajor and it's not just that it's three hours away it's that he's a very important figure on bajor who's also three hours away you know there's a yeah, lot 100%. he's he has Imagine to govern the whole planet relationship. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, that would be hard on any relationship, right. let alone. <laughs> yeah, and then you know he's a he's he is their leader, he is their person, you know, and then she is up on the space station, and she's the point person there as well. So she's got way too many you know responsibilities or whatever else to just step away and and so forth and so on. So yeah, I just um, it makes sense that this would kind of be it for them, um, right. or that their relationship anyway would would end rather quickly or eventually so yeah 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 it's unfortunate um i mean i guess the real unfortunate thing for kira is um if she doesn't i mean i don't know what her relationship with shakar will, will end up being if this is the last time we see him but to go through a pregnancy and then as we find the end of this episode you know she's kind of now in this weird spot where you know the o'briens are celebrating the birth of their child but she didn't really want to be there. She wanted to hold the child close to her and, and mother it. I mean, it had been, you know, close to her in the most intimate sense for five mm -hmm. months. Um, so it, it, it is an interesting point. Um, I, I guess it was a little sorry for Kira. It's like, Oh, I hope she can become a mother at some point when she has her own child and she can make that her own. And, but I guess we'll find out if anything changes, we'll find out in the future. You know, it's still season five. Mm -hmm. We're just about halfway through season five. Uh, at this point, uh, one more episode, and we're at the halfway point, so we'll find out. But I'm glad that she's finally done with uh, the pregnancy because I feel like now, you know, there's been a, a significant amount of growth and development for the character of Kira, and now we get to see her do some other things, you know, right. and um, get back to being the, you know, the. Bajoran leader on the station, which is what she is, you know. She got sidelined a bit with this pregnancy thing, and I know that they did this, you know, out of universe. The reason is because the actor herself was pregnant, but um, you know, yeah, it did keep Kira, you know, to the sidelines, which the character even acknowledges, you know, like in the last episode, she's saying, you know, I'm a major in the Bajoran militia, and I'm, I should be down on Bajor, leading this investigation, protecting these people, you know, and instead, she's up on the station having breakfast so yeah, it's, yeah it'll be nice to see kira back in action uh for real uh in the coming yeah. um episodes and um and also odo you know i also feel like this whole yeah. him being a humanoid was a departure for him he didn't seem to be as with it on things while he was dealing with this very traumatic event of being ostracized by his people exiled from his people losing his abilities right 
trying to come to terms with what it means to be human. We've seen that struggle for him in several episodes. And now he's restored back to himself with a greater sense, both of what it is like to be a humanoid, but also with a greater and deeper appreciation of his abilities, his culture, his people, you know, and so forth. And so now we get to see these two characters, these two very important characters, move forward with their um, developments here. Right. All in all, yeah, I think you're doing it, a great job with character development. Yeah. Well, Kira got this pregnancy put into her by Bashir, uh, which, man, if you don't know the context of that statement, you don't know what I just said. But anyway. Uh, um, phrasing. Yeah, phrasing. exactly. <laughs> uh, the, that happened in the episode right before Odo was changed to not be a changeling for this you know, last couple episodes. So they literally had, for about almost the exact same amount of time, their two changes in their you know physiology the who they are for the same about 12 13 episodes and so yeah they both had this same period where they were different and now they're both returned to what they were and yeah we'll have to see what changes have been permanent in in those episodes moving forward now before we end everything there is one scene we have to talk about and that is odo getting drunk because he does yes. We forgot. He, he starts. Yep. He starts with a glass of champagne, and then he ends up raiding the liquor cabinet. So apparently, he this man straight cannot... up breaks into corks. He broke into corks. <laughs> so yeah, humanoid Odo has no regard for the law when he gets drunk, nope. and he can't hold his liquor. This man nope. has a glass he's of champagne. A happy clam. Yes. Oh man! But I now he's in there. Yeah, he's in there mixing drinks and pouring stuff down. Um. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's an amazing scene. And then, of course, yeah. we have Quark, who's leery at first, but then kind of saddles up and is into it. But, of course, we don't get to see them really get drunk together, which I think is a shame. I would have loved to see this scene continue a yeah. little bit more with them actually right. truly drinking together. Um, right. Well, in the ended... two episodes, they had the climb episode. Yeah. Getting, you know... I hate you. I hate you too. You know, a very sweet moment. <laughs> um, uh, and now here's the two of them celebrating. Uh, you know, Odo asks Quark, have you ever thought about having kids? And Quark is like, not at all. No. Um, but Odo's just like, ah, oh, man, it's totally worth it. And he's just, he's like, he's basically a new dad, obviously, but he's only known this changeling child for i mean how long do you think this episode takes place over like three days at most i mean i think we're supposed to believe that it's a week okay i right. think that we're supposed to go um, with a, about a week but um sounds about right yeah sure. um but yeah yeah he's only that's the sad part for odo and it, it makes sense on a technical level for the show like we can't i mean having odo be a changeling we don't see him do his changeling stuff every episode. Well, apparently that a- stuff is incredibly expensive to film. In fact, exactly. they yes. even talk about in post-production that scene where the baby changeling raises up and moves and mimics Odo's face. Um, that part like where it initially raises up and we see it move from the opposite end when when Odo and Mora are standing over here and little babies down here and you see the, the head. That's actually someone using a hand puppet that's been covered in this goo stuff that they did in post. They needed the shot and there was no other way for them to do it because they tried, they were going to try to get it done with actual special effects. But even just that little bit of a scene was incredibly expensive and they had no money in the budget to do it. So they were just very thankful 
that it worked uh, with yeah. the, the hand puppet and the goo and whatever else. They're very thankful that it worked. Um, but yeah, uh, I couldn't imagine them like if they had, if we had continued on with this. And let's say that the baby changeling didn't die, and now we've got another baby changeling that's grow. We got this baby changeling that's growing into a adolescent and whatever else, and going along with Odo living in his quarters or whatever. Having to do all of the CGI for that would have been, uh, it, it probably would have uh, busted the bank on the show. Yeah, so, like I mean, gosh, what. Jurassic Park came out only a few years before this, right? So, yeah. like, that's what, like, you had the T-Rexes and all that, and that was a big deal at the time. That was, yeah. So, yeah, I can imagine it was expensive. But you talking about, um, or bringing up the liquor scene, the being drunk, brings, reminds me of the beginning of this episode when Odo has the changeling baby in a cup, and Worf comes over and says, uh, Odo, why are, why are you, you talking, talking to your beverage? <laughs> because... I have to say this this episode is really funny when you think about Rene Albergenois really talking intimately with a cup. Which he is. He's like he's like this close and he's talking to it in the most intimate of tones and he's just staring at the glass and he's just like yeah Yeah. to anybody walking by you would think this man has lost his mind so I don't blame Odo or not Odo but I don't blame Worf at all for cautiously approaching and be well he had it in a literal cup by that point it wasn't the original vessel it was an actual mug yeah Exactly. He, if he had been carrying around a little container or something, you know, a little rectangular box, maybe sort of somebody would have left him alone. But I mean, it looks like beer. It looks like he's yeah, got a mug really of beer and he's and he's carrying it around. So yeah, yeah, I don't blame him. And it reminds me of that moment where I think uh, Odo was showing Garrick that if he wanted to pretend he was drinking a beverage, he could, you know, make a cup and fill it and drink it. Mm-hmm. And he could go through the motions of it back when he was still a changeling. Um. Yes, mm-hmm. it was. It was just funny that he chose to go to Corks with a. Oh no, he's not in Corks. Vessel. He's not in Corks. He's in the replicant. Oh, he wasn't. No, oh, he's okay. in the replicant. Right. Fair enough. But um, yeah, just a just a funny moment um, of 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 Odo being silly. Um, but we haven't talked about the one thing that we we we've we understand from what we learned about the changelings several seasons ago that Odo and this changeling baby were sent out by the founders Mm -hmm. as like guinea pigs to find out if like basically the way I think about this, it's like, you know, you hear about the, the, the canaries in the coal mine. It'd be like if all the canaries got together and say, Hey, we need to go. We need to find out if the coal mine's dangerous. Let's send all the children and see if any of them die down in the coal mines. Like, Y'all have a really brutal way of figuring out if you have enemies or not. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, but as, I mean, Odo makes a great point. What better way to find out if, if there's a problem, if there's a potential yeah. problem somewhere? You know, I mean, it sucks for the individual being sent, sure, but <laughs> uh, I mean, but I mean, also, if you think about it, I mean, it wouldn't suck because, as Odo says, when he was found, he didn't have any concept of what he was. He had no memory of where he was from. I mean, he didn't right. know that he could change it. He didn't know anything about himself. So, right. I mean, it's just like, you know, is it really that bad for him? They're, they're complete blank slates. So right. whatever race finds them and shapes them or whatever else, I mean, it ultimately will lead them back oh. or not. You know, they don't you're, know anything. You, you're, you're, you're pointing out and you're bringing up that 
the changeling that results from that culture is a mirror image of that culture. And they maybe then when they, you know, do the great link, they can fully understand that culture in that moment. Right. Okay. Because the that only thing that, because as Odo says, the only thing that they were ever really programmed with was a desire to return home, which his mm-hmm. doesn't even kick in until he accidentally goes through the wormhole. Remember? And then when, right. the, when he does oh, make yeah. it back to the changing home world, they told him, they didn't expect him for another three or four hundred years. Yeah. So I mean, they there there was no there was nothing there. It wasn't like he was a teenager and they sent him out into the into the dark void of space. You know. Right. I mean, he was he was a complete blank slate. They were they were nothing. You know. Right. So. Well, I guess what it comes to me down to is if if Doctor Mora's problem when he found Odo was. He had to convince Odo to do things. Like, first off, how did he even know that this goo would, would shapeshift at all? And then how did he know how to... I mean, he learned the hard way to prod it to become Odo and to do stuff. And Odo, we learned that Odo might be the way he is in a response to the kind of traumatic experiences he had at Dr. Mora's table. Uh, that, you know, prodding and poking. Um, you know, maybe you wouldn't be so defensive if I hadn't been so... Uh, kind of rough with you basically um but i guess what i'm getting at is like how did the changelings know like it, it seems like when the changeling babies go out they are they're not programmed with much of anything like they don't do anything at all it's not like they just they just know that a, a, there's a at some point it's kind of switched on in them to return home which brings up an interesting point because when Odo first goes through the wormhole, they weren't going to take him on that mission, but he convinces Cisco to let him go because he said his people were found or he was found just on the, uh, like just in front of the uh, wormhole. And so he believed that he may have come from the Gamma Quadrant, but he wasn't sure at that point. And then when they crossed over in uh, to the Gamma Quadrant, that's when he became aware of this intense desire to go home and then when right. he saw the Omarian Nebula he knew instinctively that that was his home so right. several things had to happen before he was he got to that point which brings me to a, my question we know that the Tal Shiar and the Obsidian Order got together and decided to bombard the uh, changeling homeworld to destroy the changelings. So we know right. that they got the information about where the changing homeworld was from Odo, because Odo comes back and he gives the information, right? Yeah. We also know in the same episode where they went to try to bombard the changelings that the changelings had become aware of their plan thanks to that plant by Subcommander, whatever the heck his name was, right? So, like a, so, a then, yep. so then they moved their homeworld, right? In anticipation. Right. So, with that being said, and they've moved the homeworld, what happens to the changelings that were sent out that ultimately when their when their homing <laughs> device gets turned back. on? Right. I need to go homeworld. No one's there. No one's there. <laughs> so and, and, we have, and especially Maybe they're if they're drawn to the great link. Like it's it that's the psionic ability you're talking about. They know which uh, planet to go to. <laughs> I mean, maybe, but I mean Odo made it seem like it was like a like a 
instinctive memory yeah. of the Omarian Nebula, which the was location. triggering him as the location. So if maybe they maybe they went back after the bombing because you know they don't need it to be some sort of you know plant filled, life filled. Oh, they can, so maybe they maybe, maybe they, they went back. I mean, that's never really the the vibe I got maybe they that they have went like back. One, Maybe the one change thing woman we always meet. Maybe she's just sitting there on a rock waiting for the others to. Show I mean, perhaps we don't. We don't know how long changelings live, and I mean, if they were already not expecting him to return for three hundred years, I mean, Odo right. could very well live to be, you know, several yeah. thousands of years old. Yeah. Please forward mail to this location. <laughs> Please forward changelings, fellow changeling babies. Take a yeah, left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't go to exactly. the Denorius Belt. Take a left. Uh, Goodness. Um, There's something else I was thinking of. I forget it now. But anyway. um, I forget. Whatever. Yeah. (sighs) (laughs) Well, is there... uh, Wow, we went a little bit longer than I thought we were going to on this baby episode. Um, I I do want to say I do like how Odo changed and was so happy when he was thinking about... Mm being a parent and the long-term parenting and all that. As I said, this is not an episode that I've watched in uh, quite some time. It's certainly not since becoming a father um, myself. I have not watched this one. So, um, you know, you can take it with whatever. I mean, he, he does seem to have this change kind of overnight. Um, I did not feel that way when I was, you know, first informed I was going to be having a child. Um, I did worry uh, about that, because you know everybody always talks about, oh, you know it, it's perfectly normal to be nervous or whatever. But once you see that face, once you see that child or whatever, it's gonna just happen for you. I'll tell you right now, it didn't. Not for me. I was still nervous and worried and didn't, 100%. you know, yeah. didn't know whatever. So for my own little brief bit of storytelling here that I'll do, I'll tell you. I mean, I just it wasn't until. I was probably, we were probably a couple months in that I really felt like this was awesome and that I could do this, you know? And, uh, um, I, I don't know if it helped or not that my kids seemed to respond to me so fully, you know, like I would watch her with other, other adults and whatever else. And she would engage and she would play, but man, I swear it's like, she didn't, she didn't light up for anybody the way she lit up for me, you know? And uh, she didn't respond with anyone else the way that she would for me. And um, that was, I mean, that was what was for me, the bonding, the enhancement of connection was recognizing that this, this baby was responding to me specifically. She'll wave at anybody. Sure. But there was something else that was just us. You know, and um, there I've got several pictures and I could break them out and bore you to tears with the number of pictures (laughs) of like the two of us standing side by side or hugging each other or whatever. And the way that her face is like my face. And I mean, we we've done it. We've done the comparisons like she even has the same eyebrows that I do. She looks just like me, which, you know, say what you want. That's either a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know. But um, yeah, I know for me, it took a while to get there and to be like, you know, this is not just that she's my child, but like, I, I will do anything for her. And that this was, 
an amazing experience. And even to this day, like, I still feel that way. I still just, I feel like she lights up for no one the way that she lights up for me. I love finding out little things about her, like how much she claims that she hates to sing. But if you walk past her room, you can hear in there singing her heart out, you know. Um, I just, I love discovering those things about her. And and I also like surprising her with them because she likes to come in and challenge me about what I know about her and whatever. And when I can just rattle off things, favorite color, favorite dessert, favorite show, favorite song, favorite pillow to sleep on, you know, and she just stares like, how could, <laughs> how could you possibly know, you know? <laughs> and then, you know, but then she surprises me by the things that she knows about me and that she'll, I'll hear her telling other people, uh, yeah. you know, and she's just so fully confident with it. So I don't like, I love when I see other people as into it because I'm so into it, you know? Right. And so watching this again and seeing how excited he was and he was even willing to share with this person who he's had this antagonistic relationship with and he's cast all that aside because in this moment he is nothing right. more than just a proud parent getting ready to gush like crazy about his right. newborn, you know? Right. And I really enjoyed yeah. that scene a lot. Yeah. 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 I, 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 I'm not having my kids of my own, but I have two nieces and yeah, being the fun uncle, Hey, uncle David, and all that kind of fun stuff is great. Um, yeah. So I, I have a glimpse of that on my own. Uh, <laughs> this, uh, talking about Quark again, reminds me of the first scene when Quark walks up, but he's like, I give you for five bars of gold pressed latinum. I'll give you this. And he's cause it's dead. It looks dead. And he's like, no, it's alive. 10. <laughs> it's oh, but sick. it's very All sick right. uh eight <laughs> and quark doesn't you know i'm sorry odo doesn't care about money and so quark just says thank you for your business Where's and the... i just yeah it's 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 quark is quark and odo is odo and so it's it's you have to i mean it's been obvious since the beginning that they have a love-hate relationship it's the cat loves the mouse in the sense that like like tom and jerry wouldn't be Tom and Jerry without Tom or Jerry kind mm. of kind of feeling. And there are definitely episodes where Tom and Jerry are like friends for a bit and, you know, it all is forgiven and then they go back to it eventually. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun to see them have a moment together, especially with Odo. I mean, cause the Renee Albertson wall is plastered in all that makeup and we've only seen him smile on a few occasions, but this is the biggest and longest smiling he's i mean heck even his eyes seem to light up like it almost seems like they lit his entire face differently i swear he looks brighter um his eyes are all sparkly um they're blue he's got that big old grin they've got the soft lighting on his face even yeah i think they just did this whole scene to make odo look like he's glowing uh, for the effect here and it works it works very well odo is uh, yeah i agree he was purely happy in these moments he could care less about whatever quark was thinking about and even quark is like you being happy is wrong somehow like something must be wrong in the world if <laughs> you're true. happy you know it's yeah. just like yeah. even to the point where he's like okay I don't, I don't know what it is but i did it like i confess just stop right. yeah. stop just whatever stop. this is yeah <laughs> yeah it's a funny moment yeah oh. Oh, well anything else that you want to say about this episode 
before we go. No, again, I'm sorry. I was ruined by uh, spoilers before I knew what was happening. So, oh well. Well, I guess it's time to reveal that infamous key phrase for the contest. I've actually already said it twice. Can you, do you think that you know what it is? Do I think I know what it is? Would you like to hazard a guess? No. No, go ahead. What is it? It's Tetrion Isotopes. Or no, Tetrion Radiation. Tetrion Radiation is what it's going to be because I said it, I said it twice and then I said Tetrion Isotopes after that. But the key phrase is Tetrion radiation so again to answer the contest you have to write this in a comment on this video you have to go back to the other videos and put in their comments or their phrases that were left on those videos in those comments respectively i will look at all three i will find the person who has followed instructions for all three and i will put those names into the drawing and we'll do the drawing and we'll announce that um later on and then we'll get your information and ship it to you okay so um just keep that in mind do what you got to do again make sure it's a comment on the video um so that we can uh make sure it's counted um other than that, uh, I think that's it. We don't have any updates on anything in regards to New Trek other than the kind of the same stuff. That's, you know, Discovery, the final season is getting ready to drop here in April, so be on the lookout for that. Strange New Worlds is in production, so they don't really have a release date for that. Prodigy is um, is on Netflix and that should be coming out uh, fairly soon as well. And they have not announced anything for Lower Decks yet. All right, so that's going to be it for us on this episode of the Fire Caves. Remember, you can find us and follow us anywhere you happen to do your social medias, and you can listen to us anywhere you happen to listen to podcasts. I do it on Spotify. So, guys, until next week when we return with an interesting episode with Captain Cisco chasing down Michael Eddington, take care of yourselves. Thanks, guys. <laughs>